This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 180 with Katie Anthony. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 180. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Katie Anthony is a writer and mother of two boys, ages three and five. She knows a lot about backhoe loaders, velociraptors, and rage. Her writing has appeared in bus.com, scary mommy, mama load, and the peps blog. She swears and blogs about parenthood, feminism, and scotch at katiekatiekate.com. Friends, I am so excited about this episode. This is a result of some serious Facebook stalking. So I just want us to all take a moment to appreciate that. Additionally, I want to give you a little bit of backstory. And Katie and I are actually going to talk about this on the show. But I was introduced to Katie via one of my favorite podcasts for crying out loud. And the co-host of that show read a piece of Katie's writing that literally had me like jumping up and down, cheering, screaming, wanting to like find this woman and hug her and I high five with her and like maybe cry with her, probably have a few drinks together, all of the things. So of course, that led me to my famous Facebook stalking, which is my favorite pastime and one of my best skills. And I found her, hunted her down, Facebook messaged her and begged her to come on the show. So I was so excited when she replied and said yes. And I've been just super excited to share this interview with you. This interview is a result of Katie having a piece of writing that went viral. So she has been a mom blogger for a few years now, I think four years. And she recently had a piece go viral. And that's how I was introduced to her because I heard about her piece of writing. And then I heard the piece read on 
the other podcast on For Crying Out Loud. And she just blew me away. And you're going to hear her tell a little bit of that story. I'm going to share a little more in depth about how I was introduced to her. And in addition to that, I want to warn you that there is a lot of explicit language in this episode. So usually our episodes are clean and they're oftentimes edited to be clean. I am intentionally not editing the F-bombs out of this episode. So if you have small ears, that's your warning. Katie's writing includes profanity and that is a piece of her art. And so it's also woven into a lot of the context in terms of what we're talking about and the some of the frames of reference in terms of the articles that she refers to. So it felt important to keep that in because I think it's a really authentic piece of the story, a piece of Katie's writing and a piece of just a piece of her. So we're leaving it in. So if you don't want little ears here in the F-bombs, then go ahead and find another more private place to listen to this, put on some headphones and let's enjoy them. Like this is a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a rowdy episode. So I know you're going to love it though. You're going to love it because in the rowdiness, there is so much truth. And Katie does not hold back. We could have talked for hours. Like our pre-interview, we got going before we started recording. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I could talk to this woman for an hour before we even hit record. And then after we started recording recorded the whole interview, we got done recording and we kept talking for like forever till I had to go. So there's just a lot packed into this episode and there was a lot packed into my time with Katie. I'm so grateful that she took the time to spend time with me in the Shameless Mom Academy outside of the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm hoping that we can connect a little bit more because she's in Seattle as well. But you're going to hear a lot of the heat and the passion about the things that we're talking about. And I think you're really going to love it and really be able to identify with a lot of it. So Katie is going to be sharing with us how she started out writing and how writing became her therapy and motherhood. She's also going to share why she just can't keep quiet about the ways that she sees men abusing their power. She's going to talk about her buddy, Chad, who you know, too, by the way. This is a really important piece of this whole conversation, this whole Chad guy. She's also going to talk about how managing newfound fame and glory after going viral a few weeks ago has impacted her life and what she's doing to work with that and run with it. And she's going to talk about why she asks readers for money. This was a really interesting piece of the conversation at the end of our conversation that I think is super, super powerful. And it's something that she kind of like just quickly blew over. And I was like, no, 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 no. We need to go back and talk about that a little bit more because what I see her doing is something that I want to see a lot more women doing. So this is a really great conversation. I know you're going to love it. I hope you love every single F-bomb because I know I did. And I'm very excited. So let's go ahead and dive in with Katie Anthony. Katie Anthony, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super, super pumped to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I have to give people the backstory because like I'm just completely fangirling right now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, I guess, I was listening to one of my favorite mom podcasts for crying out loud. And which I've mentioned on the show before, but it's Lynette Carolla, who's Adam Carolla's wife, and then Stephanie Wilder Taylor, who is an amazing writer and comedian. They're down in California and they do this podcast together. And they were talking about all the Harvey Weinstein stuff and all this stuff. So in part of that conversation, they said they started talking about, oh, have you heard of this guy, Scott Rosenberg? Yep. And his response to the whole thing and how awful it was. And his response to the whole Harvey Weinstein thing was like, well, I worked for Harvey too. And I went to all these amazing parties and it was basically just a big showboaty thing. And he wasn't defending Weinstein, but he was like, basically just like bragging about his Hollywood experience. So then Stephanie says, you have to hear this post from Katie, Katie, Kate, 
from this mom blogger who responded to Scott's post. And she starts reading your post, Katie Anthony's <laughs> post. And I'm like, who is this woman? And then Stephanie says, and Stephanie's written multiple books. She's like, I need to hook this woman up with my book publisher. She's brilliant. And I was like, who is this? And then she, I think she said you're from Seattle. And I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> like all, stalking full on. Where is she? How can I meet her? So I reached out to you via social media and I so appreciate you replying and coming on the show. Oh my gosh. I am so, so happy to be here. So first you have to know when I wrote the first Harvey Weinstein post, it's called next level rage stroke, Harvey fucking Weinstein. And I wrote it and I published it at like 1am because I needed to like give the world a peek of like the churning pool of like hot lady rage that lives in my belly. And I feel like all of my friends' bellies, when we hear about these kinds of things happening, where it's like, yeah, yeah, this is our lives. And I posted it at like 1am. And I was like, Katie, no one's gonna read that. It's posted at 1am on the West Coast, there's gonna be like eight Trump tweets between now and then, <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, wow, a lot of people have read this already. And throughout the day, the numbers kept climbing and kept climbing. And then, you know, suddenly people like Stephanie are reaching out to me and saying like, Hey, I want to hook you up. And she's basically my fairy godmother right now. I mean, talk about like fangirling. I have met so many, you know, virtually met <laughs> social media, met so many absolutely incredible people through this experience and I think for me, the most incredible part of it has just been how like empowering and warm and like, yes, and supportive all of these women have been to other women, which it just goes to show again, empowered women, empower women. Like we've got to like stick together in our pack and take care of each other. Totally. So it's been amazing. It's been totally amazing. So tell us a little bit more about yourself so we can start there beyond your bio, your personal professional life and what you're most excited about now, which is probably all the stuff that you've just kind of touched on. Totally. But let's start with that and we'll go <laughs> deeper from there. So I write a blog called Katie, Katie, Kate, and I've been writing it for about four years. I have a five-year-old son and a three-year-old son. And one day my now five-year-old was in a sleep regression and I was, was, basically psychotic on no sleep and totally like what has happened to my life and I like stumbled to the computer and started a blog this was the thing that I did to self-medicate and I wrote it for a year before I shared it with anybody because it really was just for me and there was something about the blog format that I found really freeing about just like low stakes it's a blog. Nobody expects it to be perfect. Nobody expects it to be structured. You can just go on tangents. You can have a run on sentence. It's like a page and a half long. If you want to, it's your blog. It's fine. It's not a book. And so, you know, my blog, when I started telling people about it, other moms I knew, and actually even a lot of people that I know who weren't moms really liked it and started sharing it. And I had a, you know, a, a small but loyal readership. And I think, you know, I was talking to my husband the other day and he said, you know, Katie, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy that more people are hearing about the blog because I would have given up a long time ago if I had gotten the kind of response that, that you've gotten for the amount of work that you've put into it. And I said, no, you don't understand. I've gotten exactly the response that I needed to keep going, which is a, this has saved my sanity writing this blog because no matter how hard the day is or how insane my kids are being, 
if I am coming to that experience from the perspective of like, how am I going to make this funny for the blog? <laughs> it helps me keep perspective. I feel yes, exactly like yes. that with my podcast where we're like a really bad day. I'm like, how can I turn this into a funny story for the podcast? Like it yes. is life giving. <laughs> exactly. It makes such a huge difference to just have the option to make it funny in your mind. Yeah. You know, I had a yoga teacher once who was taking us through a really hard flow and she just said, Hey, listen, how about instead this time, see how easy you can make this, see how easy you can make it. How easy can this be? And that's something that I think about all the time. Like how easy can we make this? How funny can I make this? And so, you know, that to me is a huge reward, just the personal satisfaction of taking care of myself and giving myself perspective and kind of a life raft. But then also just knowing that if there's been one person who has felt heard or seen or less isolated, or less alone, or been able to laugh at their own crazy shitty day, because of something that I wrote, worth it, done, totally worth it. Yeah, paid in full, you know. So yeah, that's a little bit more about me. Oh, the thing I'm most excited about in my life. Yeah, definitely. You know, the increased audience and what kick ass people are reading my blog right now. They're amazing, funny, strange weirdos. I love them so much. The people, the people who are commenting on stuff on my Facebook page are just the weirdest tribe of adorable, wonderful people. I love them so much. And I think personally, the thing that I'm most excited about right now actually has absolutely nothing to do with the blog. My three and five-year-olds this morning over breakfast started doing a Hamilton sing-along. Oh, so great. So that's basically the dream. That's basically the dream. <laughs> I, my sisters and I grew up doing musical, you know, we kind of recorded our own versions of musicals and Disney movies and doing sing-alongs in the car. And so I've basically been waiting to have my own little Von Trapp family oh. ever since I saw my first little pink plus sign on my pregnancy test. I'm like, I'm so excited. Oh, that's so great. I feel like I need to get costumes together or something. <laughs> They're never going to do this again now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now that you're like investing in costumes, like they're like, actually, exactly. we're done. Like, nah, <laughs> We've moved on. Not that good. It's not that good. It's overhyped. My son just recently had a huge meltdown over not being able to listen to Elton John in the middle of dinner. And my husband and I were like, our work here is done. Like our five-year-old is obsessed with Elton John. Like, do we need anything else in life? <laughs> so can I ask you, did this begin with Sing? No. It began in his preschool class last year. Their cleanup song was Crocodile Rock. So that's where it began. And then we would ask Alexa to play Elton John at home. And then every once in a while, Crocodile Rock would pop up. So my husband had Alexa playing the Beatles during dinner the other night. And my son was like, no, I want it to be Elton John. And because he's an only child, we're like, we can't always let him have his way. So huge, huge meltdown when we were like, tomorrow night, you can pick the music yeah. and you can pick Elton John. Oh no. Like, I mean, hysteria. Like he didn't eat dinner because he was so upset about not being able to listen to Elton John. <laughs> and I, we were like, the Beatles are a pretty good alternative. No, but, the Beatles no. are pretty awesome. It's not like you were making him listen to some like garbage. No, 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 no. no. That's so funny. My kids love Elton John too. They started it because of Sing because I'm yes, still standing. Yes. And gorilla, he, Vinny loves Johnny. that. Yes. Yeah. So Vinny was actually super excited when he watched Sing and heard that there was an Elton song in there. He was like, yep. all the more sold on Sing. So that's totally and he- totally. sing is in heavy rotation as well. <laughs> Excellent. I know it's so funny. My kids love sing. They love sing, but I do have to fast forward through the bear parts, the scary bear parts. 
Yeah. Oh, so I love Sing because I'm someone who loves musicals and yep. it's like animation I can get behind. For so, like it's really like the first kid movie that I've been like I could watch this a million times over again. So I we, totally we do. agree. I totally agree. Although I kind of feel that way about Storks also. Oh, we haven't watched that. It's bizarre. It is a bizarre little movie. At first, I was not sure that I liked it. And then the more I watched it, the more I was like, no, I'm 100% on board with this. Just to give you a tiny peek, and this is not a spoiler, but a tiny peek into the bizarreness of the world of storks. There is a pack of wolves that chase down our heroes by forming various vehicles with their wolf bodies. Oh. So they're like form a wolf helicopter, wolf helicopter. And then they like become a wolf helicopter. Oh my gosh. So it's totally strange. But at the same time, it is absolutely how kids minds work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that movie. It is so odd. And the last, you know, 10 minutes had me in tears, of course. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to add that to our list. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> and it's not too scary. Yeah. That's an important one. Yes. So you have two boys. Are they into Legos? Okay, so my three-year-old actually choked on a leg. Oh, no. It was terrible. Yes, it was really scary. It was one of those days that I was just really grumpy, and my kids were just like, me, 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 just at each other all the time. And I had commanded that they leave the kitchen. I'm like, go to the playroom. And my five-year-old, then four-year-old, had gotten a little set of regular standard Legos for Christmas or his birthday. I can't remember, but he was playing with them. And all of a sudden I heard him screaming again. And I just assumed that his little brother had tried to take a Lego or something. And so I yelled from the kitchen. I was like, will you two stop screaming? And he kept screaming. And so I like charged into the playroom ready to just bring the thunder. Oh, no. And his hand was in his brother's mouth, trying to get the Lego out of his mouth. And he was screaming in terror because his brother was choking on a Lego. Oh, my gosh. So we don't do Legos. <laughs> <laughs> I like Understandable. It Life is too short. And I'm just, you know, my kids will have plenty of time for Legos when they are like 10 and 8. We can yeah. have Legos in the house, but until we're a Duplo family. Okay. <laughs> so my son loves Duplo too. So like anytime <laughs> we can get away from Legos and Duplo for like 10 minutes, that's where I'm like, let's watch a movie that's like not Lego, like not Lego building. He'll watch like these random YouTube videos. It's like, it's not even people building the Legos. It's just this like animation. It's so, it's weird. So <laughs> my kids went through a phase where they just wanted to watch footage of trains, you know, like train, oh, yeah. train. Yes. Trucks. A friend told me about this before I had a child. She's like, yeah, my son likes to watch YouTube videos of garbage trucks picking up garbage. And I was like, I don't understand. Is your, like, is your child okay? Yeah, I was yeah, like, well, I, I mean, <laughs> there's probably I was like, I don't want to say anything, but there's probably something wrong with him. And then I found out this is a thing that kids just oh. watch videos of random transportation. You, have you watched them? No. Because that shit's kind of hypnotic. It, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's not like a pleasurable experience. Right. But at the same time, you, I'll find that like I have like a pot in my hand and like a can of soup in the other hand. And I'll like stop in front of the screen and like eight minutes will pass. Oh my and gosh. then I'll look down at my hands and be like, oh, right. I was making lunch. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. They're really hypnotic. Again, not like fun to watch, but they suck you in. I get it. I get it. So great. 
I totally get it. So you are an amazing writer and a truth teller, and you're not shy about your opinions, which is what makes your writing so fantastic. So can you walk us through a little bit of like how you've chosen to respond to Harvey Weinstein and how you've chosen to respond to Scott Rosenberg and You've done it so shamelessly. I mean, like, as I was reading through your stuff, I'm like, if there's ever been a shameless mom I need to interview, like, this is the epitome of being a shameless mom. So walk us through a little bit of that. Yes. Okay. So I feel like, what was your response when you found out that Harvey Weinstein was a fucking monster pig predator? Oh, that's a good question. So my response was like that he's so gross. My initial thought was like, oh, Bill Cosby. Like, I was just like, it's 100% Bill Cosby. Yep. And that's what it ultimately turned into. I mean, more and more people came forward and are still coming yep. forward. Yep. So that was my response to that. But it was also like, it's so gross that it's hard for me to process. And it's such a pervasive part of the Hollywood culture as we're now seeing. Yes. That I'm having a hard time processing it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the women I know shared that kind of sense of just like, A, okay, again, of course. Yep. Bill Cosby. We can cite a hundred examples mm-hmm. of, of shitty, shitty men using power dynamics to hurt women, right? Or other vulnerable people, kids, as we're saying with Kevin fucking Spacey now. And there was also a lack of disbelief, which I felt was specific to women, mm-hmm. where we're all like, yeah, not, yeah, sure, of course. Why not? You know? And so I I was angry about Harvey Weinstein, but I was also just kind of tired. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, and that's actually a really good point because I think that some of what I felt, it was like, oh, in addition to that, we have like a basically, we have a rapist for a president. So like, exactly. It's exhausting to keep getting feed this information because you, I don't know what to do with it. Exactly. There's too much of it. And like, where do we go from here? Yep. Yep. So there's a kind of a weary, like grizzled feeling that I get when another one comes forward. It's like, yep, here we go. Here we yeah. go again. And so I wasn't originally going to write necessarily about Harvey Weinstein, but then I started reading these fucking absurd, like doofy, oblivious statements by men in Hollywood expressing shock and distancing themselves immediately and saying like, I'm so glad I'm not like him. Oh, I have daughters. I am appalled because I have daughters. Or weaving these like fantasies about what they would have done if they'd seen it or what they'll do if they'll see it, if they see it tomorrow, you know? And all of that feels like the right thing to say, but it's nevertheless super shitty for women to hear. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. 
If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. That you're shocked. Are you the kid from Room? Okay? Because he's not even shocked. (laughs) He's not even shocked. He knows two people on earth, one man and one woman, and he he's not surprised. He gets it. Okay? If you're shocked, it's because you're choosing to remain ignorant. And you're okay with me buying your ignorance with my safety and my sister's safety and my friend's safety and my mom's safety. And I am not okay with that. And I think that's why I felt really strongly that I just needed to yell at people with like all caps and tons of expletives because as I wrote in the piece, there's all of these band-aid behaviors, Mm -hmm. but the goal of these behaviors of, you know, expressing shock and dismay and like, we must do better for our daughters It demonstrates both good intentions and total unwillingness to do anything substantive. Right. And it becomes an echo chamber. Exactly. Like, like, that's not, I mean, like, that's nice, great, but like, where's the action? Exactly. So, you know, you're expressing your intentions, but not your integrity. And then asking us to like pat you on the head and be like, good boy, you're, you're not like those other, you're a nice guy. Well, you, you have done nothing to earn my approval. You are not safe to me. Right. And just the kind of like pride in themselves and self-congratulation about not raping women. Therefore they're feminists. Like no ass. Right. Right. You need to figure out where in your life you are shitting on women and start working on that. Right. Because you may not have taken that little shit seed and nurtured it into a great giant shit Oak the way that Harvey (laughs) Weinstein did, but you've got some shit grass. Okay. You got a little shit sprout. (laughs) Just the sprout. Just sprout. Or maybe even like a shit fern or something, but like you've got something and we all do, you know, women shit on women too. And every person who has this empathy gap does this where they, you know, express shock when they have no right to express shock. They make sure that their goal in this conversation is to protect their own image rather than validate the story of the person that they've, they've just heard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, it really fucking pissed me off. Yeah. So Scott Rosenberg's post was, yeah, it was very, you said word painting. It was like, I remember Stephanie pointed this out on for crying out loud as well, that it's like he wanted it to be a poem, which yeah. made it like all the more like self-indulgent and disgusting. Oh my God. And if oh you go, God. so the way Stephanie read it was amazing. But then yeah. also when you go and you look at the post, it's so gross. And I know we're referring to a lot of different links here. So I just want to let our listeners know that 
the articles that we have referred to this point, as well as the For Crying Out Loud episode that you were referenced in, all of that will be over in the show notes. So if people want to go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 180, everything you hear Katie and I referencing will be over there. So yeah, so this post was, it was gross. Like he wanted to write this Uh, beautiful song for himself. Yeah, it was, I think, and I actually just pulled up because I wanted to read something that I wrote in the, what I called the cold-blooded, out-of-body verbal thrashing of Scott fucking Rosenberg. (laughs) I said, your apology would mean more if I didn't get the sense that you wrote it while gazing contemplatively into the sea, while wearing linen pants and refreshing TMZ every 10 seconds to find out exactly what everyone knows at this point. Yeah. Holding a bourbon in a $275 glass and sunglasses dark enough to demonstrate that you're staring into the abyss should any photographers pop by. And as soon as you were done writing this apology, you started making notes for a new script called The Sorry Man. (laughs) It was so painfully self-conscious and it was so, you know, the whole like head fake toward, you know, oh, he's calling other people out. No, he's fucking not. He's not calling anybody out. He said, I was there and you were there too, actors. (laughs) Wow. That's not brave. Sorry, buddy. Low clap for Scotty. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was galling. It was galling. And I read it the day it came out and I rolled my eyes and kept going. And I didn't want to write another rant. Yeah. Because it, I'd just written the Weinstein rant. Right. And you talked about this before we started recording. Yeah. I should tell everyone we had this amazing conversation before we started recording. And I was like, hold on, we need to stop. We have to start recording. because This is so good. But one of the things that you said was that you have a mom blog that is amazing. And then, then there's a part of you that is very invested and interested and tied into feminism and speaking the truth. But you don't want like the mom blog to now become like a feminist website. And exactly. So there's well, this dilemma the with how far you go with it and how you manage exactly. your content. Exactly. Particularly because so many new readers have come and found me because of this very unapologetic, pissed off voice that is my real fucking voice, right? Right. But I also write a lot of just silly stuff about my kids. And so I didn't want to write this post. But at the same time, I talked to my mom and I said, I'm just not sure that I should write another rant. I don't want to become like Rush Limbaugh and just like find a new asshole to crap on every day. And she said, Katie, people liked your Harvey Weinstein post because you didn't care what anybody was going to think about it. You didn't care if people were going to read it. You just wrote it. You wrote from the heart and it resonated. So just write from the heart. Yeah. And so I listened to my heart and my heart said, destroy him. And so I did. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. (laughs) And that's the thing. And I'm kind of coming to a place in my head and in my heart where I feel very strongly that being mouthy and unapologetic and calling out the chads and calling out the bullshit is a huge part of being a parent and particularly a parent of two little boys. This is going to be their job to fix in themselves and in their friends. This is going to be their job. If I have a sense of hesitancy around standing up for myself and for other women and for other vulnerable people who need to be spoken for, well, how, how can I expect my kids to do it? So I do think this is a really important part of parenting. When we talk about teaching our values, it's not just saying please and thank you. It's like, okay, sometimes you need to pick a fight. Yeah. Sometimes you need to pick a fight when it's worth it. Right. And it's worth it. Totally. I want you to backtrack for a second. Tell us what chads are and how do we all have a little chad in us and how can we all be a little less chatty? 
So Chad emerged from the unconscious. He came out when I was writing the Harvey Weinstein post and I was talking about all these guys who were shocked. And I was like, oh, you're shocked. You're really shocked. Pay a fucking attention, Chad. And the name just like popped into my head because, you know, Chad is like an everyman. He's a nice guy. He's got those good intentions and he likes women and he probably thinks he's like a friend to the ladies and he's really comfortable in the world. And he assumes that everybody around him is equally comfortable in the world. And if they're not, then they probably did something wrong. Definitely their fault. They need to find yeah. their, like find a way to make themselves a little more comfortable and take some responsibility for that. He's really, he's so generous with his advice for those people. You know, he really feels that he can help. And it sounds like I'm being really snarky and I am, but at the same time, he's not trying to be an asshole. He genuinely thinks he knows better than I do how to navigate my life. And he wants to help me. He wants to teach me. And so Chad is the one who shows up and says like, oh yeah, that's terrible. But you know, not all men are like that. I would never treat a woman like that. I've been getting a lot of Chad-like comments of, you know, I agree with your message, but I think your tone is a little bit harsh and it might turn some people off. Not me. I really liked it, but I I think you probably want to check your tone a little bit. Chad isn't a monster, right? Chad isn't Harvey, but he is the product of a world that has told him nonstop that his voice is valuable in every conversation, that he has great judgment, that everybody's going to be happy to see him. And he's never kind of stopped to question if that's actually true or why he feels entitled to my time and my energy and my kindness and my space and my company. So we all have this sense of entitlement. Well, at least I can speak for myself. I have a little Chad. I have a little Chad in me. I'm white. So I am Chad to people of color. I don't want to be racist. I think racism is terrible. I don't want to hurt people of color, but do I unconsciously commandeer conversations with people of color? Because I think my opinion about racism is worth hearing. Sure I do. Yeah. I feel like I have something valuable to say about racism and I haven't stopped to ask myself why on earth I should think that because I don't know anything about racism. Whenever I'm in a conversation with a person of color and racism comes up, it's like, I know my job is to sit down and shut up because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. You know, in the same way that like a Chad in a conversation with a woman about sexism, his number one goal is to make sure that he doesn't look sexist. (laughs) Right. That's number one goal. Above actually not being sexist, he wants to not look sexist. Right. And so I have to be really aware when I am in a conversation with a person of color, is my goal right now to not look racist or is my goal to just really genuinely connect with this person? Because that's an awareness that I have to have because I have also been raised in a world that has taught me that my voice is valuable and that I am welcome in lots of different conversations, that I have the right to you know, dress up in a culturally appropriative costume because I am a nice person. And that is the same as not being racist, which is just patently not true. And this, you know, for Chad, you being a nice guy is not the same as you not being a sexist. It's not the same thing. Those are two separate conversations. You can be a nice guy and also have that little, that little shit sprout Mm -hmm. that you are responsible for weeding. I had, I had this guy. Oh, he's been commenting so much. (laughs) And I kind of want him to stop because he's terrible, but I also kind of don't want him to stop because ah, he's so textbook. He's so textbook, Chad. He said, you know, I really liked your piece. I wrote a piece about men interrupting women. 
And he said, I liked it. I didn't read it all the way through because I knew what it said. <laughs> so, but amazing. I liked it. But I liked it. And I have some comments about the piece that I didn't read. And he said, I have asked the women in my life to tell me when I'm interrupting them. And so far, they haven't been very helpful. I was like, they, yeah, they haven't been very helpful. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is, I did not realize that it was their job. Right. Right. They're now failing at to monitor your self-awareness. Oh my gosh. It's that's now her job too. Huh? All right, cool. Oh, so yeah. So how can we not be that guy? How can we all be less chatty? And whether we're talking about, you know, a man commandeering a conversation about sexism or a white person commandeering a conversation about racism, you know, I think of this as like a three-step process. So first listen, just listen. Do not feel like you need to add anything to this. Don't formulate a rebuttal under no circumstances. Should you play devil's advocate? Do not start mounting a personal defense because it's not about you. Just listen. So that's step one is listen. Step two, believe, believe them, believe them that they have the judgment to interpret experiences correctly. Don't try to convince a person that their lived experience or perceptions are wrong. You know, if a guy says like, are you sure he wasn't just trying to give you a ride home? Yeah, Chad, I'm fucking sure. Yeah, I'm sure I was there. And, you know, same thing. Are you sure you didn't get the job because of your race? Maybe the white guy was just like a better candidate. Yeah, Chad, I'm fucking sure I was there. Why do you think that I cannot correctly interpret my own life? So first listen, second believe, and then most importantly, value. What this person told you matters. This person matters. And if it hurt them, then it hurt, period. Regardless of intention, regardless of anything else, a person is hurt and that matters. So you need to value their story more than your own image in the conversation, more than whether you look like a good person. Value the story, value the person first. Listen, believe, value. That's the Chad antidote. I love it. That's so good. And, you know, that reminds me, this is like such a kind of a silly comparison, but my husband and I have this thing that makes me crazy where he all say like, and it happens in really hot situations or really cold situations where like in the middle of winter, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm just so cold. I can't get warm. And he'll be like, yeah, it's not even cold right now. Or in the middle of summer and I'm like sweating profusely and I'll be like, oh my God, turn on the air conditioning. And he's like, but it's not even hot out today. And he grew up in Kansas. So he's like, it's not even hot. Like, I mean, it's nothing compared to Kansas. And I'm like, you are completely invalidating my experience. I'm not asking for your input. And like, I'm feeling hot right now. I'm feeling hot right now. Like you can't take that away. Oh, I guess I'm not hot anymore. Thanks for letting me know. Right. And so so (laughs) over time, like for a while, I was like, God, like, why am I always so hot when he's not hot? Or why am I so cold? And just was kind of this like weird thing that we would sometimes laugh about. And then I started getting mad about it because I was like, you don't get to tell me if I'm hot or cold. Yes. And that's kind of what yes. it's like a very basic, basic level of someone saying like, if you feel like you were sexually harassed, you were sexually like you were made to feel exactly. uncomfortable enough that that's exactly. like a legitimate feeling. You legitimately exactly. experienced that even though someone else might have heard the same words from the same boss and not interpreted yep. that as harassment. If it made you feel a certain way, it made you feel a certain way. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, and it's just so interesting in the example that you gave with your husband. And I find this is true with my husband, too, where 
I'm certain I don't know your husband, but I'm certain that we're both married to awesome guys. There is nevertheless this like, like the sense of certainty that they are right. Right. That is not based in like a conscious sense of superiority, of course. Like it's not like my husband thinks he's smarter than I am. Therefore, he knows what the temperature is better than I do. <laughs> right. But there is this incredibly awe-inspiring sense of confidence. You know, have you ever seen that meme that was like, Lord, please give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> And it is so true. And it's, again, this like kind of unearned, and I hate to drop the P word, but this privilege of living in a world where it's like, people are like, oh, wait, 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 Chad's talking. Go ahead, Chad. Right, right. And that just happens all the time. And it's not something that Chad invited. It's, it's not a system that Chad built, but Chad, Chad's pretty Chad's much okay it. with that system. Right, Chad's right. like, it's pretty good to be Chad. It is, Chad. <laughs> sure is. Wow, that would be nice if people would just believe me when I talk. That would be cool. And you know, I will say it works both ways because I find myself doing it to my husband whenever he's sick. I don't know if any other wives are completely insensitive to sick husbands, but I know I am. And so when he's sick, I'm just like, oh, really, you're sick. Like if he wants me to go to the store to get him soup, I'm like, you can't go to the store yourself. And then when I'm sick, I'm like, oh my gosh, this actually is really awful. And I was not very nice to him when he was sick. So I find my like, I do it too. Like you said, like everyone has a little bit of this in them. And so like, if his experience is that he's sick today, that's his truth. (laughs) And even if I am rolling my (laughs) eyes and in disbelief of how awful he feels, it's his truth. And that's why you have your friends and you can just kind of exchange an eye roll with emoji with a friend and then like, but this is his truth. And then go and bring him a cool cloth or whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And yeah, I definitely, I have a piece that I've been working on for a while that I've been kind of circling around called the empathy gap. And it's about the empathy gap in a marriage where you love this person and they're your partner. And at the same time, you kind of stop thinking of them as fully human. Totally. Because you don't have time. And especially when you have young kids, like the amount of time and energy that it takes to measure the like emotional life of your partner and kind of try to anticipate what their needs are going to be and just plug into them, connect with them. That energy is like, I don't think I can do that all the time anymore. And so you just kind of stop doing it. It's like, okay, I can either resent you for having more needs right now, or I can just pretend you're not in the room for a few minutes and get the rest of my shit done and like have a drink and then I can look at you again. And it is really hard when our partners who are still full human beings still need from us. And it can be like, are you fucking kidding me? You too? Well, and especially if you, and I mean, I think that all of us have work that is serving others on one level or another, but like for me, like I get done serving my child and then I get done with the podcast and then I also own a gym. So then I get done serving those people. So I get done serving all these people and then I'm like, oh my gosh. And like, there's all these homeless people in Seattle. Like, what are we going to do for them? Like, yeah. Should we go volunteer? Should we donate? Like, so then there's all these other like causes. And so you get done with all of that. And you're like, really, you need me to go get you chicken soup. Are you kidding me? Like, it's <laughs> so you interesting. Know that I am changing the world. Right. And it's so interesting, like the compassion that you can have in all these other areas. And it's like limitless compassion because you want to be a person who serves and you want to be a world changer and all this stuff. And maybe you want to be perceived that way too. And then behind closed doors, you are like, I don't need to change my husband's world. He can go get his own damn soup. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's hard is this is a conversation I'm always having in my mind of like, he's a grown fucking man and I am not his mom and he can take care of his own needs. Also, his happiness is not my responsibility. Yeah. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. He's having a hard day. It's not my job to cheer him up. Those are his feelings. That's his job. That's a huge pet peeve that I always see on playgrounds. If a kid gets hurt, somebody sends a little girl over to cheer the kid up. And it's like, that's, she's not magic. (laughs) She's not Hermione Granger. She doesn't have a wand and she can't take away someone's pain. And giving her that responsibility is setting her up to fail. And it's also grooming her to blame herself yes. when other people have bad feelings around her. Right. Like, hello. I mean, okay. So it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So I wanted you to tell us about your book, Feminist Werewolf. Yeah. And I noticed, so I went, I was all excited. I was like, oh my gosh. And she wrote this book and all these things. And then I saw that all the proceeds you're giving to anti-sexual violence organizations. So tell us a little bit about the book and then tell us a little bit about like, yes. why are you giving all these proceeds away? Cause yes. I mean, I know that you're very compassionate and giving, but also like, <laughs> yes, no, totally. So, so here's the thing. I care a lot about doing good work, not good work on a global scale, but like producing good writing. Yeah. And it's really important to me that my work of writing is respected. And that's why I have a Patreon account. And that's why I put PayPal links on my blog, because I believe that it's work. And I believe that the work deserves to be compensated. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. (laughs) Yes. And that being said, a first of all, when I created that Patreon account, I had it for like a month before I gathered the strength to like actually put it out there and be like, do you think you guys might want to pay me for this? It was really, my first ask was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm even asking, I'm sorry. 
And as time has gone on, it's like, no, you know what? This is my work. I spend a lot of time on this. If you think it's valuable, you could demonstrate that by paying me for my work. But that being said, Feminist Werewolf is a collection of 13 stories that had previously appeared on the blog that are all about feminism and and just kind of the perils, what I kind of jokingly refer to as the wiener gauntlet that is the world that all these women have to navigate all day long. And so all of these stories have kind of a, a central theme of anger and real danger. But there's a lot of danger out there for women. And when the Harvey Weinstein post went viral, I was, of course, happy that my work was being respected. But it was much more important to me that the people who actually paid for this post, it was more important to me that they be respected. Mm -hmm. And the people who paid for that post were the women who were abused and assaulted and harassed in the workplace and for whom speaking up would have cost them a lot. It cost me nothing. I do not work in Hollywood. It cost me nothing to come out and call Harvey Weinstein all kinds of names. It cost me nothing to just strip Scott fucking Rosenberg to the bone. It cost me nothing. And so it was really, really important to me that I take some of the momentum of the, this viral post and give people a chance to refocus on actually helping people who have to navigate their entire lives with this burden of knowing that the shitty thing happened to them. And without organizations like the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network and the Sisters of Color Ending Sexual Assault, it can be really, really hard to recover from this extremely traumatic, violent experience. So that's why 100% of the proceeds are being donated because, you know, this is my pack, right? If I'm a feminist werewolf, I have a pack and I have to take care of my pack. That's it, period. Uh, so great. And so I think that's just such a fantastic way to explain. I, I love the way you explained all that. And I love that that's how you are choosing to manage everything that has come from your recent writing and putting that all together in such a strong and powerful way. Thank you. I want everyone to go and get Feminist Werewolf. So I will have that linked here in the show notes so people can go get it. And then I also wanted to explain to people what Patreon is, because I think a lot of people don't know. I've never talked about Patreon on the podcast, and I'm not oh, connected yeah. to Patreon. And it's something that I know a lot of podcasters do. But Patreon is an online place where artists of all different kinds can give their followers different levels of paid content. So for example, a lot of podcasts, they'll release extra episodes every week and they'll have it on Patreon where people can pay like for $5 a month, you get an extra episode of, for the Shameless Mom Academy yep. every week. Or in your situation, it might be like for writing where like everyone who joins my Patreon gets like an extra blog post a month or something like that. Correct. And then sometimes they'll have different levels where it's like, you know, for $5 a month, you get an extra episode a month. For $10 a month, I'm going to send you my favorite book. And for $15 a month, I'm going to hop on a 15 minute call with you. Or There's all these different ways people set it up. The beauty of it is, and what I love that you're doing, Katie, is that you are creating work. Like you said, you are putting work out on your blog in a free format, but it comes in an expense of your time and your energy. And like you said, it's your therapy. And I love on your website, one of your quotes is that writing is cheaper than therapy and a lower level of commitment than alcoholism, which Correct. I think is yep. amazing. <laughs> so for you, your writing is your therapy, but also you are putting it out there in a way that will be consumable by other people. And you're very conscientious of that. It totally makes sense that you would ask for something in return. 
And this yes. is where women struggle. Women do not ask for things in return. Women not do not want to charge money. And like you said, we want to apologize before we ask to get paid. Why do you think we get paid less than men if we apologize to even get paid at all? And <laughs> so, Correct. Yes, exactly. The other thing that's amazing about Patreon is simply that for artists for whom, you know, Stability is a really, really rare thing. Having monthly recurring supporters that are chiming in with like three, five, ten, fifteen dollars, which is typically a pretty low footprint for the patrons themselves, but taken together makes a really big difference in the life of the artist, just in their ability to plan and grow their business. So it creates an incredible community of support and of people who all you know, believe in this artist or in this work or in this vision. And it gives the artist a a stable foundation on which they can start making longer term plans rather than there just being like a one-time windfall of a bunch of people, you know, throwing you a few bucks because of uh, one post, it becomes, we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, on my Patreon page, I'll often do polls to my patrons about like, what, what do you want me to write about next? Do you have anything that you want me to write about? You know, I'm working on developing a podcast right now and I have a poll up right now. That's like, okay, these are some of the things that I'm kicking around for the podcast. What do you want to hear? So it's a way for us to have a conversation and to make sure that my content continues to be meaningful to the people in my community. Right. And one of the things I noticed, I went to your Patreon page and one of the things you had on there was like for three to $5 a month, patrons can support you in getting childcare so you can write more. Exactly. <laughs> like for you to be able to get like childcare a few days a week so that you have more time to put work into what you want to be doing. Yep. And that's like an amazing, amazing gift. Like you said, for a very small amount of money for most small people. Perfect. Yeah, so, yeah I dream, love that. I'm dreaming really big there. I'm dreaming really big. I'm like, can I have a babysitter for a couple hours? I just want to write this post. Right. I love it. I think it's so great. Yeah. I think that is a very positive and powerful ask. So I wanted to make sure I brought that up. Thank you. So I want people to go to your Patreon page. I will have that linked up in the show notes. I want people to get Feminist Werewolf. I'll have that linked up. Any articles that we mentioned, of course, I'll link to your blog. Anything else? Oh, tell us. Okay. So tell us about this podcast situation. So I just had my first meeting with the, the production company. It's really cool, really cool group in Seattle. It's woman-owned, woman-run. Who's the company? Large. I just met Tina Knoll this morning. Oh my God, get out of town. Yes, and I've heard about her for years and I've been like meaning to connect with her and I met her this morning at, I'll tell you when we're done recording. I went to this networking thing this morning that was amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, so she's building this, kind of a really woman-centered kind of a platform. And they approached me after the blog post went viral. And it's, I'll tell you, it is absolutely, we are living in a world that has so much opportunity to grow very quickly. You know, all of these tools exist that didn't exist five years ago, didn't exist three years ago to just get out there. As soon as you have like one foot, like it's crazy. It's crazy the momentum that builds. But anyway, so I'm, I had my first meeting with them yesterday and we're just starting to talk about kind of what, like, who is this for? What do we want to say? What it's really important to me that it continue to be what I call mouthy, messy, and mandatory, uh, <laughs> where it's, there's going to be content that is, you know, talking about like the dirt bag of the week and there will be much, much talk of Chad. <laughs> and there's also going to be a lot of celebration of amazing people. Have you heard about Dave, the period fairy? No. Girl, there's a story. I put it on my Facebook page. 
there was a story about a group of people hiking together and one of the women got her period on the hike and she started getting really bad cramps and it's a, a mixed gender group and they're, you know, a little ways away from the car still, but they're on their way back. And one of the guys notices her and he kind of like comes up beside her and he's like, Hey, are you okay? And she's like, Hey, I'm fine. He's like pads or tampons. And she was like, what? And somebody else calls like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, you know, she just scraped her arm. I'm just going to put a bandaid on her. You guys go on ahead. And he opens his backpack and he pulls out a tampon and a black long sleeve shirt for her to tie around her waist. And he puts a bandaid on her arm to like maintain the cover. And then he like wanders, you know, a few feet away to let her like go into the bushes and take care of business. And this man is now my personal hero slash my backup if something were to happen to my husband. Um, <laughs> and I was said, I said on my Facebook page, uh, we need to all, every woman on earth needs to save this story. So the next time someone's like, no, but I'm a nice guy. We can be like, no, Dave's a nice guy. <laughs> Dave's right. a fucking nice guy. Dave went out of his way to include the experiences and the concerns of all of the people that he was going to be hiking with. That was so fucking nice. So those are the kinds of stories I want to tell on the podcast too. It's just about like, there is still hope and goodness in the world. There's going to be a lot of swearing. That's like, obviously. <laughs> it's one of the pillars of the philosophy. <laughs> Pretty much what my core brand identity. <laughs> so it's still in development, but we're moving quickly on it. So I'm, I'm hoping to have, have more news on that really, really soon. Oh, so I'm really cool. excited though. I'm really excited. Also oh. terrified. <laughs> that means you have to do it. Like if you were just like, oh, this will be easy, then it wouldn't be the right thing. Well, I have that. I have that voice in my head, what I call the fox in the hen house. It's like, people don't care what you had to say, Katie. It's not like you have your doctorate. It's not like you've written a best-selling book. And it's like, shh, right. shh, shh, stop, stop. <laughs> Someone asked you to do this. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it. And even if nobody had asked you to do it, you could still do it. Totally. Of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah, totally. I love it. Oh, so good. This has been so fun. And so I, I want to hop over and do our shameless mommy minute lightning round oh, in yeah, just a second. Yeah. Before we do that, I just want to acknowledge you for everything that you're putting out into the world and for being so intentional and careful with your words, but also like passionate and lively and energetic and spot on with your words. Like you're intentional, but also it seems like you totally don't care what you say, <laughs> which is yeah. like, that's a difficult balance to strike. <laughs> like you absolutely care so much about every word, but it comes across as like, she doesn't even care what anyone thinks. <laughs> Thank you. And everyone that's... wants that, but no one, it's like, that's hard. That's so hard. So I just wanted to put that out there. That is one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in my life. Thank you so <laughs> much because that is, I do work really hard to pick my words very carefully but at the same time, sometimes you just have to let your bitch off the leash. <laughs> totally. Let her go. Let that feminist werewolf out. Totally. She needs to eat some bros right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Shameless mommy minute. Awesome. What is your favorite way to treat yourself? I like to go to the movies alone on a weeknight. Nice. What's the current book that you're reading or the last one that you read? I listen to books more than I read them because nice. I'm listening to two books right now. I'm switching back and forth between What Happened by Hillary Clinton oh. And Hunger by Roxane Gay, both, <gasps> both of which are... Oh my gosh, uh, those are like two big winners there. It's devastating. I saw Roxane Gay speak at TED Women a few years ago, and she's so phenomenal. She really is. This book is, if you haven't read this book, I've read Bad Feminist a number of times and really enjoyed it. Okay. And this book is a very 
different side, but at the same time, not. It's, I think it's really familiar to most women. She writes a lot about how she has this relationship with her body as if it is a separate entity from herself. Okay. And I think I think a lot of women can relate to that. I'm going to link to both of those books. So Roxanne Gay is this an amazing feminist who also is very intentional with her words, but seems like she doesn't care. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> she's just phenomenal. And I will link to both of her books in the show notes as well. Okay, what is one morning ritual you can't live without? Coffee, coffee, black yes. coffee, black coffee, oh, more black coffee. coffee, no cream, black. Nope. <laughs> French press. My husband. Hardcore. Yeah, my husband makes a big pot of French press coffee every morning before he leaves for work, and I drink the entire thing. <laughs> nice, nice. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> You're home with two children, ages exactly. five and three. I mean, exactly. I think that that's, that's like totally necessary. Yep. Who is your biggest inspiration? Well, I got to say my kids. Oh. I got to say my kids because they are... So it's what you're talking about, about being intentional, but also free. They take absolutely no shit and they are so open still. They are not guarded with their feelings. When they're mad, they're so mad and they don't feel like (laughs) they need to be sorry for it. Right. And when they're happy, they're so happy and they don't feel like they need to, to measure it or to tone it down in anticipation of like, Oh, oh, the other shoe is going to drop. Like, no, there's no other shoe. They're three and five. They just stay so present and they make sense of a lot of things that feel nonsensical. And I think that's something that I really try to do in the blog is kind of put experiences that feel indescribable, find a way to communicate them in a way that is universal. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? I think I would give all moms a wife. Yes. Oh, sister wives. Like I'm not into like, there's pieces of it that I get don't work, but like there's pieces of it that are just so phenomenal. (laughs) Talk about like emotion, like someone to share the emotional labor, someone to share the invisible thinking labor. Last night before we were doing this interview, I was making a couple of notes and things that I wanted to say. And then I was looking, I was like, okay, I've got to sign my kids up for soccer next season. And my husband's leaving for a week long trip this afternoon today. And so I've got to, you know, make sure that enough laundry is folded that he can find the stuff that he needs for his trip. And I got to do X and I've got to do Y. And it was just like, none of this is written down anywhere in a way that's like, Nobody's ever going to pat me on the back for doing this work. And yet it consumes so much of my time. I need a wife who understands that. I also, I have another blog post in draft right now called Welcome to Mom Brain, where a mom's brain is like the control center at NASA. (laughs) Yes. There is a wind, there is a meter and a gauge and a flashing light for literally everything, everything, every fucking thing in your house and life and your kid's life and your spouse's life and your family's like there's a meter for everything and they're all on all the time. So I know simultaneously how much dish detergent I have left, how much protein my older son has eaten today and yesterday and the day before. And whether, you know, the next upcoming family birthday and what we did for them last year and what we should do for them this year. And so-and-so is having a hard time right now at work. So I should send her a text. And, you know, all of these things are happening simultaneously in my brain. So, yes, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> yes. And also you are a unicorn, like as we all are. Like, we, exactly. Because this can only happen by magical power that we can simultaneously manage all this information. It feels absolutely impossible and absurd, absurd that we hold this much information in our brains. Yes, totally. Just like, you know, an inch away, ready, ready to be grabbed anytime, anytime (laughs) we need it. Totally. And this is why more women need to be CEOs, because this is what we can manage. So 
Oh my gosh, we could go on and on. This has been so much fun, Katie, and I so appreciate you being here. Everyone go over to the show notes and get everything over at shamelessmom.com. Click on episode 180. And I'm going to be keeping an eye out for your podcast. I cannot (laughs) wait to share my podcast with you. I plan for my first podcast episode for me to basically be like the sound of me shuffling papers around and like (laughs) stammering and hoping that somebody can do some editing magic to put some cool music behind it. So it looks like a choice rather than me panicking. Awesome. Basically my my plan. (laughs) It's perfect. Perfect. (laughs) When you get the show up, let me know in a... I definitely will. I'd be more than glad to promote it for you. So thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you so much for spending time with Katie and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. Remember, all those links can be found over at shamelessmom.com. Click on episode 180 for all the different links that we mentioned, especially resources to connect with Katie if you want to see all the places that she's writing and all the great things that she's doing. I hope you were super inspired today. I hope you listened to this and thought like, okay, now is my time to use my voice, to ask for what I need, to be a better self-advocate, to like find the chads in my life and tell them to shut up. All these kinds of things. I feel like Katie's passion is very contagious and I want you to take it and run with it and let it inspire you to do something great in your life. So if this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So we will be back in just a few days with another episode. If you have not subscribed to the show, you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review and you can click on the little subscribe button and that will allow you to get all new episodes as soon as they are released. So you will never miss an episode. You can also leave a review while you're there. So if you love this episode, please do leave a review. Let me know what you loved. That feedback is really helpful to me as I create new content for the show. So I always love to know what you think, what your experience has been with the show and how the Shameless Mom Academy has impacted and improved your life. So please do share there freely over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. Again, thank you for being here today. Thank you for learning with Katie and I. Thank you for sharing everything that you learned today moving forward. Please share this episode. You can take a screenshot of this episode, post it to social media, and then tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will reply as quickly as I possibly can. But sharing this episode is how you can continue to share women's voices and women's power. So please do share this episode. I really appreciate it. I know Katie really appreciates it. And I know all of womankind really appreciate it. I can't wait to be back here in a few days to spend more time with you. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm -hmm. 
And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking